Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hartcastle. So here we are. Can't believe it, 2019. I thought in 2019 we were supposed to be driving around in flying cars. Right? You remember that growing up? You thought we were going to be in flying cars? I mean, 2000, I mean, I remember whenever someone said 2000, the year 2000, I was like, ah, man, we'll be in space by then, walking around on the moon, you know? Uh, it's amazing. Here we are, 2019, just another year, obviously. It's just another year. But uh, the new year kind of marks... A new mindset. Many times for many of us, we think of newness and new year. We're going to do new things. We're going to do things different than what we did in 2018. And that that thing that um, that really caused me to stumble or tricked me up in 2018. By golly, I'm not going to do it 2019. And so we we start making up these new ideas, these new goals. And um, you guys know last week I challenged you with your one word. What's your one word? What is one word that God would speak into your spirit that he is calling you to do this year. One word. It may be faith, to have more faith in God. It may be trust, to trust God more and trust people more because you're very distrusting. It may be uh, determination. God's going to put a determined spirit in you and he's going to give you a scripture and a verse to drive you, drive you through. It may be patience. It may be peace. It may be rest. It may be submit. Well, I don't know what your word is. I know what God spoke to me, has spoken to me about my word. But I want to just encourage you, if you haven't come up with your word, pray and ask God, what is my one word, the one central word that's going to drive my life? Much like a nail, on, whenever you're driving a nail, you hit the center of that thing, you're going to drive it home. That's one word that God's going to give to you. And then I want you to pray about what is the scripture that's going to drive that word home. The scripture you're going to quote, you're going to memorize, you're going to put in your spirit, you're going to put in your heart, so that whenever temptation comes and whenever you get diverted and off track, the scripture, the word of God brings you back to your word. So one word, if you haven't got it, I encourage you to do it. Because New Year's resolutions don't often work, right? New Year's resolutions last about as long as the word is, about three or four minutes. It's a resolution. It doesn't go very long. Resolutions typically, too, if you notice about them, Resolutions are typically very self-centered. Want to lose more weight. Want to eat healthier. Want to start working out uh, and paying a close attention to my body. Uh, I want to get my house clean. Uh, I want to get out of debt. I want to manage my money better this year. Typically, New Year's resolutions really have a lot to do about us and about what we're doing, about what we're going to do. But oftentimes, they don't have a lot to do with God. And in fact, the really the only way that we bring God into is God help me to lose weight. God help me to eat better. God help me to get to the gym in the morning. God help me. God help me. So we really don't bring God in whenever we need his help to do whatever it is he is, uh, whatever it is we're re- resolving to do. That's why I really encourage you to do one word. What happens so many times, too, is that 
People will come to church or will come to God with an agenda. And the agenda when they come is like, okay, my marriage is horrible and it's falling apart, so I'm going to go to church and they're going to give me all the answers and they're going to fix it. God's going to fix it. Or um, I've made a horrible mistake in my life and I need God, I need forgiveness because I'm under such guilt and shame. So I'm going to go to church and I'm going to have relief from the shame that I'm feeling. And so oftentimes people come to church and they, they, they try to figure out how to use God to get what they want. And when they don't get it, they blame God for not, them not getting what they want at the end of the day. Because why? Well, really, their motives were wrong. Our motives are very wrong. The human condition, the human curse is we are selfish. Now, are there selfless acts? Yes, I believe that we all do selfless acts in our lives. But at the core of the heart of mankind, we are selfish. It started way back with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. They could eat from any tree, any tree, any fruit, anything in the garden. They had full reign of everything. They literally had full reign of everything in the garden, but one tree. How many? One. Imagine everything was theirs. They only had one thing to stay away from, but their selfishness said, but I want it all. And since the, since that time, mankind, men and women, young and old alike, we've all wrestled with selfishness. We've wrestled and struggled. Here's some of the words, selfishness, self-esteem. Self-help, inner self, self-talk, self-service, help yourself, love yourself, be yourself. These are all, there's a list of great words about, about many different things, but they have a commonality. What is it? What's the commonality? Self. The self is in the middle of everything that we say and do. This me movement is nothing more than a self-movement. All for the agenda of getting to what they feel they deserve. What's interesting is if you're a follower of Christ or if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're here today, and you don't know who Jesus is. Well, what's interesting is Jesus taught countercultural principles. He always did. He always he always taught us there's a countercultural uh, perspective that God takes when the world says go this way. God more than likely is saying go that way. Because the world is self-ish, but God is self-less. So Jesus tells us about what it takes to be a followers of him. What does it take to be a disciple, a true disciple of Christ? Stand your feet. We're going to read this today. What does it take to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And this is in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19 of chapter 16, verse 24. It says it this way. Read along with me. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple, what must they do? Must... Say it again. They must do what? What's the first word? Deny. They must deny themselves and what? Take up their cross and what? Follow him. Father, help us today to learn what it means to be selfless in a world that's telling us it's about me. It's about mine. It's about all I have, all I deserve. I deserve this. I deserve that. God, help us. To hear from your word today and learn how to be selfless. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. If anyone 
Whoever wants to be my disciple, if you want to be my disciple, you can. But if you want to be my disciple, realize it's going to cost you something. Jesus said salvation is free. Salvation is free to anyone who believes. But from the moment of salvation to the moment they take their last breath, it's going to cost you something. You know what it's going to cost you? Denial of yourself. It's going to cost you to lay down your life, pick up the cross and walk with Jesus wherever he tells you to go. We live in a world that doesn't want anything to do with uncomfortability. Well, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't know if it was really comfortable for Jesus to go to the cross. I don't think it was. But guess what? He denied himself and he walked and gave his life for each one of us. See, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, it's less about us. In fact, it's all about him. You have to know who Christ is. This new year, this, this new set of the day of, of the year, I want to start this Sunday, the first Sunday, December, and I want us to set a tone. I'm, I'm, I want, if you guys can hear my heart today, you will hear my heart as your pastor, that I love you and I want you to hear me. There is such a greater life on the other side of selflessness. That you can live and you can think that it's all about you and all about what you want. But I'm telling you, take up the cross of Jesus and follow him and deny yourself. Don't be consumed with this world because the toils and the, 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 the burdens this world brings upon us will burden you down, will depress you and will discourage you and will drive you to a place of hopelessness. But those who deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus, they find a place of peace and serenity like they've never known. So over the next four weeks, I'm going to teach you for I'll teach you a couple of different things I want to talk to you about. I'm going to talk with you today about being bold in our witness for Jesus Christ, being bold in who he is to us and who he can be to the hopeless people of this world. Next week, I'm going to talk about being faithful and selfless in your service, serving God with your time, your talent and your treasures. The third week, I'm going to talk about being extravagant in generosity, that 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 God has blessed you to bless others. God has given to you to give to others that you may think you don't have a lot, but you have more than others. And because you do, God has called you to be generous in your giving. Then the last week is being uh, being selfless in the everyday grind of life. How do we find selfless acts in our everyday grind of life? Instead of being selfish, God calls us to be selfless. Instead of bless me, he says, bless others. Instead of more is mine, it is more is God's. Selfless mind of Christ. Instead of self-centered, instead of self-involved, self-absorbed, self-consumed, we lay down our lives, we deny our, ourselves, and we become obedient to who Christ called us to be. So today I want to tell a story about some men who went from selfish to selfless. 
Uh, this journey that you're going to go on is going to be kind of a quick journey. I'm going to do my best to kind of illustrate it and kind of give you context to it. But uh, you're going to, I just want you to understand that this, this, this group of people that I'm going to tell you about today found in the Bible were a group of people that, that literally went from completely self-absorbed, selfish, self, uh, they, everything was about them. They wanted their kingdom. They wanted what they wanted. And then they transformed by the power of God to where they became so selfless. They changed the world in the first generation. Talking about the disciples. Let me give you a context about uh, where I'm going to go today. There's this group of people that Jesus calls over a period of time known as disciples. Now, you know them as the 12 disciples, and uh, they were great men. You may not know all their names, but these were tax collectors, fishermen. Um, they were people who, who were of high wealth and people who had no wealth. They came from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life. And Jesus called them all and said, hey, come on, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how what real fishing is all about. It's not about what you're putting in the boat. It's about what you're putting in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus spends three years with these guys. Now, when I talk about three years, I'm not talking about what we're doing Sunday. You know, hey, how you doing? And they go home. And it's, no, he spent day and night, 24-7, 365 with these guys. He, he hung out with them. He had campfires by them. They slept on hard rocks. They slept from village to village. And they were all on a journey. He would have been their rabbi. And they were on a journey to, to build the kingdom of God. And Jesus invested in them. He taught them. He encouraged them. He built them up. He spoke to them about heavenly things that, that they never heard of their whole life. They were so enamored by this man named Jesus. He did miracles right in front of their eyes. Imagine. Fed 5,000 with a, a, a couple loaves of fish and bread. He was an amazing man. He brought dead back to life. Imagine walking 24 hours a day, 365 with this man named Jesus. And these disciples, they walked with him, they talked with him. He said, he said, listen, guys, um, I didn't come for the sick. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous, the sinners. That's who I came for. He's speaking into them. He's encouraging them. He's saying, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. But, but here's what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to die. Just so you know, you're going to be with me for a while. You're going to be with me for a season. But, but something bad's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to give my life for everyone, for every bit, every, every human, all humanity on the earth. And so he tells them, he instructs them, but he tells them, but wait, don't let that trouble you because I'm coming back. I'm going to come back. So just know that when I die, I'll be back. I'll be back. Right. He's, he's, he's telling them, listen, all this stuff's going to take place. It's going to be horrible. But listen, don't lose heart. I'm coming back. Okay? So, it happens. He's arrested. He's beaten. He's, he's, he's unrecognizable as a human being with the, the bruises and the, the batterness that he took. He carries his cross up a hill. He gives his life on a cross and he suffers. He bleeds and he dies on that cross. Takes his last breath. They take him down and they place him in a tomb. And here's where our story picks up today. In John chapter 20, verse 19. Remember, these guys spent every day with him. Now he's gone. Now he's dead. Says he's going to be back. They don't know if they quite believe that. Here's what happened. John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, that Sunday evening came. Uh, the disciples were meeting behind what kind of doors? They were what? They were 
Locked doors. Why? Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. So here they are. It's amazing. Jesus tells them all this stuff is going to happen. He invests his life into them. He gets arrested. Where do they go? Disciples flee, man. They're like cockroaches gone. Sunshine. They're gone. They're nowhere to be found. Here they are in this chapter. Fast forward. And they're behind locked doors. Fearful for their life. Afraid of what's going to happen to them. Because in this moment in time, they're selfish. They're self-centered. They're self-absorbed. They're worried about their own lives. They're worried about what, well, they're going to find me. They're going to take my life. But then it says this. It says, suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. I, I just think so. I, I you know, I, I, I'm, Jesus is not me. Obviously, he was much cooler than I could ever be. But I'm kind of like, I'm like, he showed up. He's like, he's like, he's like, hey, yo, I'm here. What's up? Like, yo, yo, door locked. I don't need no door. Come right through that door. And he just shows up. He's like, hey. Now he said, he said, peace be with you. But I say, he'd say peace out in my opinion. He'd be like, peace out. I'm here. What's cool is he, he just shows up and he's, he's, he sees them frayed behind locked doors. He, these guys are scared for their life. And he says, peace be to you, he said. And what I love about it is, is in that room, in that room there, there's this man named Peter. Peter uh, was the man that Jesus said he was going to die. And Peter's like, no, no, you'll never die. You'll never die. It's not going to happen like that. And Jesus said, no, no, it will happen that way. And Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. But he also said, but in three, uh, before, I, before I die, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, I'm never going to deny you. I'm never going to deny you. What has happened? He denies even to a little girl. Little girl scares Peter off. Peter, though, what happens is fast forward in Peter's life. The day of Pentecost happens. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He stands up on the top. Even though he was scared, he stands up on the top and he proclaimed the good news of Jesus. And lives were changed and thousands were added to the church that day. See, I believe today the reason why we are not bold in our witness for Jesus Christ, the reason why the church at large is not growing, the reason why we're not seeing lives change, even though we live in the the most hurting generations that have ever walked on the face of the planet. We live in a world in a generation where people are sick, people are hungry, people are desperate, people are suffering. Your friends, your family, your your co-workers, we live in a world full of suffering. But we as a church, oftentimes, we are not bold. Instead, we are like the disciples behind locked doors, afraid for our lives. I believe there's two reasons why. I believe there's two reasons why we are not bold for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to say three, two of which I know for sure, one of which I kind of put out there. First one is this. We're not bold in sharing who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us because we feel we don't know enough. We feel like that's the pastor's job. That's the church's job. It's not my job to tell people about Jesus. Let them tell them about Jesus. The second reason is we're afraid of offending people. We're afraid to tell people where the boundaries are at and what's right and what's wrong. Not based on what I've made up, but based on what God's word says. So because we don't want to offend them, we never stand for truth. The third reason why I don't believe that people tell or witness who they are is because we are embarrassed of how we have lived our lives. 
don't know enough. We don't want to offend. We're embarrassed. Disciples were behind closed doors, locked, worried, and fretting for their lives. The fact is, Jesus told the disciples, Go therefore into all the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is what he commissioned us to do. And my question to every single one of us today is, are we fulfilling what he told us to do? Because I dare to say we are not. I dare to say that we are not fulfilling the cause of Jesus Christ because we're not bold in our faith. We're not bold in what we stand for. We, we hunker down. We excuse it away. I don't know enough. I, I, I don't want to offend anybody. And I don't want, I can't say anything because I've done enough stuff that's embarrassed me enough. So where do we go? What happened to Peter? Peter did some horrible things. He was not a great man. I'm sure Peter was a fisherman and Peter probably had a lot of language that he could have said. Peter was denying Christ. Peter was constantly sticking his foot in his mouth. He was saying stupid stuff all the time. Peter was one of the disciples that you would look at and you go, most unlikely to disciple. But yet, we see something happen in the life of Peter. He goes from behind locked doors, afraid for his life. Fast forward to the book of Acts chapter 2, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Fast forward to where at the end of Acts chapter uh, chapter 2, he stands up boldly before thousands of people, not afraid any longer. And he says, today is a day of salvation. Baptize every single one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Fast forward even more into Peter's life. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 4, verse, verse 8 through 10, it says this. What happened was, let me get context. What happened is uh, Peter and John healed a crippled man, helped a man to walk. And because he did, the religious people didn't like what they did and the way they did it. So they brought him in and they were going to throw them in jail. Here's what he says, Peter. He says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? I love that. Do you want to know how he was healed? Well, I'm going to tell you. It says, let me be, let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, the man you killed, guess what? God brought him back to life. <laughs> I love that. What boldness. What, what change in a man's heart to go from fearful behind locked doors to standing before people that could take his life. And he said, no, 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 I'm not backing down. You know how he was healed? He wasn't healed by you. He wasn't healed by anything you offer. He wasn't healed by me. He was healed by the name of Jesus Christ. That's who healed him. The one you killed, God brought him back to life. Hmm. Why? What happened to him? I'm going to give this statement to you. This is in your notes. Write this down. Why? What changed? Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Say that with me. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Say it one more time. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Do you believe? 
Do you really believe? Do you really believe? Because I, I, I think about this. Uh, I have friends that love food. And when they go to a restaurant and they find a restaurant they like, you know what? I cannot shut them up till I go try that restaurant. Uh, if you like a, a, a certain design of clothes, you talk about it. If you, uh, if you like a certain new gadget, you talk about it. Oh, I got the new, you know, iPhone 35. It's amazing. It's this big. It's like this big to talk on a Zach Morris phone, but it's amazing. You know, uh, we, we talk, we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. You know, your new Netflix movie, a new Netflix show. You're like, this show is so amazing. Literally take three days off of work and binge watch it the whole time. Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. If we're not speaking boldly about our faith in Christ, do we really believe our faith in Christ? If we're not telling the hopeless, the hope that is found in Christ, do we really believe there's hope found in Christ? Because we are the vessels that God uses. You, turn your neighbor and say you, turn your neighbor and say you, turn your other neighbor and say you. You, me, us, we are the vessels God uses to tell the world about who Christ is. If we do not tell, it will not be told. If we do not speak, it will not be spoken. If we do not help, it will not be helped. If we do not give, it will not be given. We are the oracles, the pieces, the, the, the things, that, the individuals that God uses to change the world. We are it. But if we don't believe it, then let's stop playing church. Verse 12, it says this, it says that Peter stood before them and it says, there is no salvation there is salvation to no one else. God has given no other man, no other name under heaven by which what? By which to be, we must be saved. Jesus is the only way to God. Offends you, offends the world completely. What I speak to you today, the world does not want to hear. The enemy of our soul hates to hear what I'm speaking to you today. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Well, you know, they got these other religions out there. I don't care. Jesus was the son of God, lived a sinless life, gave his life upon a cross so that our sins can be forgiven and rose again on the third day. And now sits at the right hand of God, the father interceding for you and me. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what religion says. Islam is wrong. It is wrong. Mormonism is wrong. Now, some of you are going to get offended by this. Don't don't get mad at me. Take it up with the one who wrote the book. I didn't put those rules in order. That is what God says, and I want to stand by what he says. There is one 
way, only one name that can be saved. Salvation by no one else. By who? How many others? No one. God has given under the under earth heaven by which we must, not can, not will, we must be saved. It goes on to say in this next verse, it says, verse 13, it says, the members of the council, what were they? They were amazed. They weren't offended. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. You know why they were amazed? Because here were men that could have their lives taken from them, but they stood boldly and spoke truth. And it says they could see that they were no that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. It's amazing. These Peter, who was scared by a little girl, locked behind closed doors. Fast forward in his life, he stands up, thousands are saved. He now stands before the council and he says, you know what? I'm not backing down to you anymore. This is the truth. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't like it? I don't really care. That's what it says. I'm going to stand by it. There was something that took place in his life that changed him from being meek and mild and scared to death to courageous and bold. And here's what it was. He had an experience with God. I remember where I was at when I had my first experience with God. I remember what transformation it took place in my life. You know what? The next day I couldn't wait to tell everybody I saw about my experience with God. I remember... Being just 12 years old, having an experience that transformed my life. And I realized that he is the only way that we can be saved. How do we get bold? How do we get bold? First thing is this. Two simple points I'm going to give to you before you go. Two simple points. How do we get bold? Very simply, we must spend more time with Jesus. We must spend more time with Jesus. If you're not bold for Christ right now, I would tell you it's probably because you're not spending enough time with Jesus. You haven't spent your time with him today. You haven't spent your time with him on a daily basis. I know in my life when I etch out time and I spend 30 minutes to an hour and I'm just kind of spending time reading scriptures and praying and asking God to help me. I, I, uh, I always tell you guys this, a Proverbs a day keeps the devil away. Uh, and I always read a Proverbs. Proverbs 6 would be today. I read whatever day that is. A Proverbs, simple, easy thing to do. But I every day read a proverb. Get it in my spirit. Get it in my soul. And when I do that, when I set that up, man, I got to tell you, my day just seems to be a little bit lighter, a little bit easier. Now, I do it first thing in the morning. Some of you may do it at night. I want to encourage you. I know when I do it at night, man, it's just yucky. I'm tired. And I have lots of stuff on my mind. And I'm just like, I can't even pray, God. And I'm like, I'll get you in the morning. Right? Spend time with him. Praying. And when was the last time you just took every day, take 30 minutes, take 15 minutes, and you just sit down and you just say, okay, Jesus, you and me need to talk. We've got to have a little conversation here. Talking, but also shutting up and listening. That's hard for some of you. You know who you are. Meditating on his word, getting his word into your spirit, allowing him to speak into your life. I find that that is one of my greatest salvations in this world. Second thing is this. So we're going to spend time with Jesus. Second thing is ask God to make me bold. Ask God to make you bold. 
Ask God to give you boldness to share who he is and the hope he has with your family members, with your friends, with your coworkers, with people you come into and come across in your, in, in your everyday life. Have God. Ask God to give you boldness because we're all called to share. We're all called to tell people about who he is. We're all called to be truthful about, the, about who Christ is. Next chapter 4. Here's the disciples. There's, there's uh, uh, Peter and John. They're, they're before uh, the council and they're gonna, they can have their life taken from them. But you know what they didn't pray? They didn't pray, God save me, protect me, help me, watch over me, 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 me. They didn't say that. Here's what they said. Acts chapter 4 verse 29 says this. It says, oh Lord, hear their threats. Yeah, we hear the threats. <laughs> but give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. In spite of their threats, we're going to preach God's word. Spend more time with Jesus. Ask him to give you boldness. We're all called to share and tell who he is. But we need boldness. We need selflessness, denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him. Father God, thank you for this day. Help us, God, to be able to to see the fact that you've given us opportunities to share about the good works that you do and who you are. But God, so many times we let those opportunities pass us by because we're either afraid to offend, we feel like we don't know enough, or we're embarrassed because we've made decisions that have pretty much harmed the image of Christ. But God, today begins a new day. A new year, a new time to renew our hearts, renew our minds, and allow you, God, to speak through us. Let us be the oracles of your truth and the the messengers you're sending out into this world to deny who we are, to be selfless for Jesus, to witness the good news of Christ, to tell someone that's hurting going to be all right. I'll pray with you. And we pray right then and there and we ask God to help them. To be little lights in a dark world. To be salt to the earth. God, you've called us to something greater. Help us, God. Precious love.
here's the reality of what I'm speaking about today. The reality is that every single one of us and everybody that you know in your life, all the loved ones that you have and all the family and friends and co-workers and everybody, the, the reality is this. There will come a day that we all will take our last breath and we all will move from this existence into the eternal. And the Bible teaches us that there's only one of two places that we can go. We're either going to go to this, this amazing place called heaven that's just glorious and beautiful and God's there and there's peace and I could speak to everybody all the time about heaven and how great it is and it's amazing. But on the contrary, there's this other place. In contrast, there's this other place called hell. And hell is a very real place. It's a place of eternal separation from God. It's a place where uh, suffering never ends. All the days of their existence, they will suffer, whoever it is that doesn't know who God is. Now, I grew up whenever we had altar times. They, they talked a lot about hell. Scared me to death, man. I mean, literally scared the hell right out of me. I said, yes, Lord, it's me. Fire insurance. I'll take it. Right? Because I was so scared, so fearful. But then there came a point in my life whenever I stopped fearing hell and I started recognizing the love of God. And that I don't have to fear hell if, I, if I'm just living my life unto God and I'm doing everything I can to please Him. I just have to live for Him. I have to deny myself and follow Him. And so when that time shifted, I came to where I didn't fear anymore. Instead, I celebrated the fact that I had this amazing eternal life that I have with God. And and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you are right there. But there's some of you here today. You should fear hell. Because the way that you're living and how you're handling your life right now is not in a way that would be glorifying to God. Others of you here today... You should be at a place where you need to tell everybody you can because every one of us, how many guys know someone, you know someone who's not walking with Christ. You know someone who's not living for Jesus right now. You know who they are. You can think of their name. Raise your hands up right now. You know somebody not walking with Jesus, not living their lives for Christ. Raise your hands up high. I'm waiting for many hands to go up. Every hand should be in this house up. We all know somebody, people. Let's not be passive here. We all know somebody. You know why? A lot of times we don't want to raise our hand because we don't want to take responsibility for our impact in their life. We don't want to own it. Let somebody else deal with that. I'll bring them to church. Let Pastor Kevin deal with them. They're a mess. Let him deal with them. You are the vessels. You are the ones to to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. You are the ones to be bold in your witness. To share who he is. That means you have to live in a way that's glorifying to God. That means you have to live in a way that people can't speculate that you're anything else but a follower of Christ. First and foremost, that means you have to deny yourself the things that the world does you cannot do because you cannot indulge in them because they are going to make you counter opposite of what Jesus says you are. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. You bow your heads with me this morning. There's those of you here today, you need boldness. You need boldness to share who Christ is. You need boldness to be a witness for him. You need boldness to evaluate your life and and ask God to help you. 
make changes in your life so you can be a bold, more bold witness. That's you here today, just going to ask God. Ask God to give you boldness. Others of you here today, you're here and the boldness you need is to surrender your life to Christ and trust Him that He is your salvation. He asks you for eternal life. I'm not talking about hell. I'm talking about heaven. A place that's beautiful. A place that He's preparing for you. And guess what? All you have to do is accept His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, asking to forgive you of your sins, and you will have eternal life as you walk with Him every day. Still others of you here today, there's that loved one, that employee, that employee. There's that co-worker, that's that friend in school that doesn't know who Christ is. And today is your day to pray and lift them up. If you're here today and you say, God, I need boldness in any of those areas. Would you just raise your hands right now all across this place? Boldness all across this place. Boldness, boldness, hands going up. Boldness, boldness in sharing your faith. <clears throat> boldness in surrendering your life to Christ. Boldness in praying and believing for God to touch the lives of those around you. Just raise your hand. <coughs> Father, just pray that, Lord, you'll give us boldness today. Boldness to be a mouthpiece for you to share what you want us to share. To be a, a testament, testament of who you are. That, God, we see the hurting, the discouraged, the down. When we see them, God, we would speak life and hope into them. That, God, we would lay our lives down. We would deny ourselves the selfish things of this world. And we would ask you, God, to give us boldness. God, for loved ones who don't know who you are, may you use us to speak into their life or bring someone along to speak in their life. For those others, God, who today just need to surrender their life to you. God, may you give them hope today in the power of Jesus Christ. Give us boldness to live selflessly for you.
this is it. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is called. Sing that again. Sing again. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Father, let's do that. Bear our cross as we tell the world the treasure we found. God, what a treasure. Treasure in Jesus Christ. Help us to be bold in our witness. Bold in those that we come into contact with. Help us to evaluate our lives, God, and live for you. Teach us, God, every day to bear the cross. Deny ourselves and be selfless. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen. You have been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. We thank you for tuning in and would like to encourage you to worship with us if you're in our area. Our Sunday morning service is at 10 a.m. and we have other activities throughout the week for the entire family. For more information, go to crossviewfellowship.com. Thanks again for listening to a ministry of Crossview Church. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.